Hello, listener, and welcome to Straight Shot Health Talk. This is the podcast that provides honest and straightforward information about health, wellness, and how to survive our crazy healthcare system. This is for people who want to focus on getting well instead of just treating symptoms. Sound like you? Then let's get started. All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of Straight Shot Health Talk. This is your host, Dr. Kevin and I have with me today Rick Caselge. Rick Caselge has a degree in kinesiology, which is really the study of movement. He also has a master's in exercise sciences and uh, with a focus on rehab and uh, exor- uh, exercises for correcting injuries. He runs the website exercisesforinjuries.com, and he is going to talk to us today about things that you can do to help yourself stay well and avoid injuries in your life. Rick why don't you tell us a little bit about, about yourself? Okay. So like you mentioned, I kind of specialize in designing exercise programs with people with injuries. So I've been, you know, working, you know, so I've been working in kind of health and fitness since 94 and looking at the people that kind of came to the gym, the ones that I ended up focusing in on are people that end up having injuries. So a lot of people end up coming to the gym that were looking for for weight loss or performance, and the group that tended to be ignored and not helped, or most fitness professionals didn't know what to do with, were the people that ended up having some sort of injury or chronic condition. And I kind of like those type of people because you know I, I found their cases tend to be complex, and I also ended up kind of having a knack when it came to the injury side of things and how to help people you know, do the exercise that help their injuries instead of hurting their injuries. Now, the, the you know, how I ended up getting into the focus when it relates to injuries, especially the exercise side of things, and while I was going through school, I was focusing in, or I had planned and wanted to go into physical therapy. And while I was at university in Canada, I ended up doing a work term, a practicum in the physical therapy clinic. And the part that I liked best was the exercise side of things and how exercise ended up helping people when it came to their injuries. And there was all kinds of other stuff that physical therapists did that really didn't interest me as much as the exercise side of things. So all they wanted to do was focus on the exercise side of things. And also when it came to myself, I was quite an active individual and I I was always getting aches and pains and injuries from being active when it it related to running, when it related to hiking, when it related uh, to, you know, working out. And I had tried going to, you know, the doctor and physical therapist, etc. And what I ended up finding was the person that could end up helping themselves the best, you know, was myself. So I looked at things that I could do to, you know, help fix myself when it came to various aches and pains. And, you know, two examples ended up being, you know, I was working in a physical therapy clinic and I um, I was working out one day prior to, you know, going to work at the physical therapy clinic and I flared up my back really bad. And, uh, you know, I thought I could deal with it that evening and hoped it would clear up when I woke up in the morning. And when I woke up in the morning, it was still it was really bad. I was kind of hobbling around, but I ended up making my way to the clinic to, to work. 
And, you know, in between clients, I was like laying on ice packs. I was stretching out my back, uh, trying to, you know, have the back pain ease up. And, you know, from that point on, I ended up doing all kinds of research when it came to back pain and what can I do to manage my back pain? What were the exercises that I should focus in on when it came to my back pain and what I could, what exercises I should end up avoiding? Also, one other event ended up being um, a little, about a year or two after that back pain episode, I ended up doing a long distance hike. So I ended up hiking from the US-Mexican border up to Canada. So it ended up being a five month hike. So we were doing roughly about half a, half a marathon uh, every day with you know backpacks that weighed between 10 pounds to 50 pounds. 50 pounds depending on how much food you had and how much water you had. And in order for us to kind of keep going and do that much mileage with that much weight, uh, we ended up having to always kind of manage and deal with aches and pains and injuries because I ended up getting all kinds of injuries along the way, but I didn't want to stop. I wanted to continue, continue the journey and finish things off. So, you know, now what I end up doing is, um, you know, I mainly end up doing writing on my blog, exercisesforinjuries.com, interviews like this, YouTube videos, you know, answering questions on Facebook when it relates to what people can do when it comes to their, when it comes to their injuries, specifically the exercises to do or not to do for your injuries. So that's kind of, that's a, a long-winded reply on uh, who I am, Kevin. Oh, good. Well. So what do you think are the, the most important concepts when it comes to exercising with an injury? And actually, should people be exercising when they have an injury, or would you recommend a period of immobilization? Oh, no, I think, I think, uh, I, I think, I mean, I think you have to do movement when you're injured. Movement will, will end up uh, helping when it, when it comes to the recovery of that injury It'll speed up the healing process, and it'll also, you know, help when it comes to the mental side of things when it relates to your injuries. So I find there's very there's very few injuries that you would completely immobilize. The vast majority of like joint issues or muscular tissue injuries, you would want to do some sort of movement. And I think the big misconception that people end up doing is they think that they should end up doing nothing. And they kind of, when they think of exercise, they look at exercise when they're completely healthy or they look in their mind's eye when it comes to when they were the fittest and healthiest. Uh, that's the kind of exercise they should do. And that's not the case. There's, there's, you can end up working around the injury. You can work on loaded exercise. You can work on unloaded exercise. You can work on activation. You can work on range of motion exercise. So there's a lot of things that you can end up doing, you know, no matter how, uh, you know, how injured you are. So you, let's touch on two important points that you that you kind of revealed there. One is despite the injury to keep movement. And the second one is you briefly mentioned the mental side of things. Can you expand on that a little bit more? Yeah, I mean, I think... I, I think society has uh, terrified us that if we have some sort of pain that we should end up getting full investigations on what's going on with that pain 
99% of the times it's really, really nothing and you can kind of keep going with things. And, you know, also society's kind of told us if you have an injury, do nothing. And that isn't the case. When you start doing nothing, you end up losing all kind. you end up losing movement, you end up losing strength, you end up losing stability when it comes to those when it comes to those joints and what it what it, you probably should be doing is taking a step back and focusing on certain exercises and avoiding other exercises yeah you know that's um, an excellent point we've talked about this on this podcast before particularly about fear of movement because if you look at the the statistics particularly with back pain the number one risk factor for disability with back pain is fear of movement and so I think it's very important that people understand that. Um, the second thing is... The fact that you just talked about is when you stop moving, you start deconditioning. And what I found, particularly with older patients, and we're talking 60s, 70s, is they stop moving and they start having all sorts of other aches in other areas of their body that they never even knew about before. So it's a wicked downward spiral with this lack of movement, uh, fearful of movement, and... Um, I just I think it's very very important that we just bring that to light a little bit more. That's so common to see. I mean, I mean, definitely when it comes to the fear of moving, I mean, I understand that, especially with a back pain, like a flip, an injury or a flare up. A lot of times, what I'll end up focusing in on is the joints around it. So it might be it might be very painful for you to move your back. But a lot of times what ends up happening is everything around the back, above and below, end up tightening up in order to kind of protect, brace, cast that back. But what you can end up working on is loosening things up above and below. So you might end up working on you know, hip, hip range of motion, hip rotation, hip flexion, extension. So going through the movements of the hip and then also kind of working on loosening up your mid-back area. And so we've completely stayed away from the low back. But if you start loosening up those areas above and below, they'll decrease the stress on the back. So it'll end up being more comfortable for you to kind of begin the process of moving the moving the back. And then when the other when you mentioned kind of like the older adult being fearful of moving, I, I think people need to remember that. Um, I mean. When you move the joints, they end up, you know, lubricating themselves and they end up moving easier. And then, you know, if you add, you know, load onto it, like body weight and movement, then you end up having, you end up building strength on those joints. So you end up having good movement by moving those joints. And then if you end up having good strength, you, uh, I mean, that, that ends up easing the stress on the body and the likelihood of, of injury. And I find with the older adults, they'll end up focusing more on less movement. And that ends up leading to all kinds of issues. And the big examples end up being like knee pain. And the best thing you could do if you're an older adult when it comes to knee pain is if you lose some weight. Like if you lose like 5 or 10 pounds, if you lose 20 pounds, it ends up having a drastic effect on the load on your knees. So if you're an older adult and you end up moving less, and since you're moving less, you're eating more, and then your weight starts creeping up, 
you know, that ends up being the worst thing that ends up happening uh, to your joints, specifically your knees and secondarily your hip and your back. Yeah, so I'm going to ask her, let's delve into this a little bit more, because this is real common, too, is we'll have people that are quite heavy, and they complain of knee pain, and you say, well, you need to lose the weight so that you can help your knee pain, and they will often respond with, well, I can't exercise, and once my knee is fixed, then I'll be able to exercise to lose the weight on the knee. Um, what do you say to that, or do you have that, any experience with that? Oh, I mean, you know, the number one... Uh, you know, the number one thing ends up being, you know, if you can get them in the pool of some sort, so you end up getting them in a, there's a, a more buoyant environment and the, and the pool ends up being great because it ends up, you know, you end up having the buoyancy and that ends up putting less stress on the knee, uh, on the joints. And then if you're in a, if you're in a facility where there's a bit of a hot pool, then that ends up being even better. You know, but then the objection ends up being, well, I'm not close to a pool or I don't want to be in a bathing suit. But then the, the response is, I mean, you can, you can really do a lot of challenging things when it comes to being in the chair. Like, you know, chair aerobics and chair exercises, you can make it very, very challenging when it, when it relates to, uh, you know, when it comes to a workout. Do you, have so, an, do you have an example of that? Because I think that's a great idea. Everybody's got a chair, so that's an excuse that we... It's tough to stay away from. Oh yeah, I mean, you know, if, if you end up, um, you know, when it when it comes to the lower body, if you end up sitting in the chair, so you might end up, um, you know, lifting the knees or almost like marching while you're sitting, lifting the knees, and you can lift the knees out to the side, back to the middle, and down. You can end up just uh, coming up and just hovering your seat over the chair, and then coming back down. Um, you can end up, uh, you know, doing a wide variety of upper body exercises. So if you end up having resistive tubing, or if you end up having like, uh, you know, dumbbells, you can end, you know, doing pressing and rowing and various arm movements that end up working well. And you know, another thing that I end up finding really good, and a lot of people don't um, focus in on it enough, is, you know it ends up being core work or abdominal work. And for those people that have a difficulty time, difficult time getting on and off the floor is just utilizing the wall um, and to do various types of plank movements ends up being very challenging to the upper body, but then the, also the abdominal core area. Oh, great. Yeah. And all those I like because they sound, you can do them anywhere in your house and really you can do them at any time. It sounds like, Oh, you can end up doing them anywhere. And, I mean, the, 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 I know in, in my area, we have a, a, a large retirement community and at the lo local recreation center, there's a number of classes that end up being like chair classes, chair Pilates, chair yoga, uh, yeah, yeah. chair fit is another one. So there ends up being a number of uh, classes um, that people can end up taking and I'm quite sure they're you know, right in the community that you live in. And, you, you know, you might not, you know, if you don't want to always go to those classes, what you can do is just go to a couple classes and just pull out a routine from that class or a group of exercises that you end up liking and then doing them at home on your own. You just have to have the motivation and the understanding of like how important it is for you to do that. Basically go there, learn the materials and then take it back. So, 
that's a good counter for when people say they don't have the you know they don't have the funds to go to the gym all the time or they don't have the funds to meet get to every exercise class is really just to learn the techniques while there and then take them home where you can do them on your own and the other thing is the greatest the greatest library on on the galaxy is YouTube. I'm quite sure if you go in into YouTube and you type in chair exercises, uh, you'll probably come up with a lot of great workouts that uh, come out of that that you can just go through in YouTube. Yes, I told you. I think I forgot about YouTube right there too. <laughs> it's totally true. There, there's no excuses anymore. You can find all this stuff in this day of age. We have so much technology and there's so much access to information. It's just absolutely unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, I wanted to ask you a little bit about timeframes and exercise. So we kind of touched on that you should continue to move while you're injured. And there's benefits not only for the surrounding joint and the rest of your body, but also the, the sense of empowerment, the sense of control, which has some uh, aspects when it comes to pain particularly. Um, but should people do exercise every day or should they be doing something, you know, you know, there's all this information. It's like, you should exercise every other day. You should only exercise this, you know, every second day, depending on how you go. It. What do you, what do you recommend time-wise when you're exercising with an injury injury? I think you can end up exercising every single day. And the, the, the factor ends up being or the, or the guidelines that I kind of end up telling people, let's say if we look at an injury side and, you know, back and knee end up being good examples is let's say you do, you know, exercises to kind of focus on helping you overcome that injury. What I'm looking at after you do those exercises, I want it to feel that you've done something. It feels like that area has done something that you've worked it a little bit. Now you shouldn't be in pain. You shouldn't be debilitated. You shouldn't being have to like crawl to, to get around you should kind of feel like okay I've done something in that area and then you know later that day you want to you still want to feel that way that okay yeah I've done something with that area it feels like I've worked it and if that's still the case I want to take a look and see how they are the next day and if they still feel like they've you know done something they might be a little bit sore when it comes to like activity soreness or muscular soreness, I'm okay with that. And if they just have the light muscular soreness that they've done something, then that's kind of the level that I want them to be at. If the if after they do the exercises, they feel like they haven't really done anything, then I need them to either push it a little bit harder or move to the next level when it comes to the exercises. So that ends up being my my guidelines when it comes to you know, specific exercises that you end up doing for an injury. But I think we can exercise every day. And the, the, when it comes to the, the thought process of, you know, every other day, it, it's how, how hard you end up going. Like if you're, if you're just going for a walk, which ends up being low level, low cardiovascular, you know, low um, impact on the body, I mean, that's something that you can end up doing every every single day. But, you know, going to the gym and going through a weight circuit, weight training circuit through, let's say, a group of 10 to 15 exercise machines in the rec center. And if you're pushing yourself to, you know, above 70% of your maximum uh, your, your maximum voluntary contraction, like how much you can lift, you know, then that's something that you would end up doing every other day because you've kind of pushed your body 
out of that comfort zone or its regular normal level that it's used to, and then you're giving it a day to you know recover and repair itself, and then you're either following up on pushing that again um, on that second day, uh, you know after a day's rest. So I encourage people to 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 go every day when it comes to you know movement and activity and exercise. Yeah, I think that's a that's a good point because I think most of us just aren't working as hard as those guys, those big weightlifters and things, and um, we should be moving every day. Now, um, one other little question on that is, what if you have somebody who really hasn't been exercising, and now that they want to start, maybe they hurt their knee, they hurt their back or whatever, and then they want to start doing exercises for injuries. You touched on a little bit about soreness. But can you tell what the expectation of soreness would be for some of these people? Because I've actually seen people who did not understand what muscular soreness was. Okay. I mean, kind of like the guidelines that I was saying, like I want them to, after they've exercised, it feels like they've done something. You know, so they might have ended up having a light sweat. They felt like they've worked the muscles. And then what they should end up feeling the next day is that their, their muscles have worked and it might be a little bit sore. The muscles should be sore, not the joints. Uh, we're looking at the muscles when it comes to them moving around. You know, but it should not be at a point where it prevents them from doing regular day-to-day, you know, function or day-to-day things. Um, you know, if if it's at that point where you, it really inhibits how hard you or it inhibits your day-to-day movement then you've gone too hard. And, and one example ends up being, you know, my dad, he, you know, he put me through school. My mom and dad put me through school. And so, you know, after in fourth year, he's like, okay, Rick, I've put you into school and you've learned all this stuff. Take me to the gym, start me up for an exercise workout. So I took him through a workout and I would like grab, you know, the 20 pound dumbbells. And then, of course, he would go grab, like, the 40-pound dumbbells. So he would, he, every time I kind of suggested an exercise in a certain weight that he should focus in on, he all the, every time doubled it. And he ended up doing, he, we ended up getting through the workout. But then the next day and for a week later, I mean, he had a difficult time moving around, you know, getting up and down from, you know, from sitting and from moving his arms. And it's because he pushed himself way too hard. He pushed himself way past what his body is used to him doing. And what he should have done is, you know, started off at that lighter weight. It might have seemed easy for him. You know, the last two to three repetitions might have been challenging for him. Um, but he, the next day, would have felt like he had done something, a little bit of muscular soreness, but not at a point where it ended up, you know, affecting his day-to-day things. Like a start low and go slow kind of approach rather than, you know, be heavy and jump off the cliff. Yeah, yeah, because, I mean, you know, pain ends up, well, pain can be a great motivator, but then pain can also be, uh, you know, ends up pushing people to be more and more uh, inactive, which isn't isn't a great thing. We don't want to be less and less active with time. We want to keep doing the things that we enjoyed, um, enjoy, do, enjoy doing and being active. Absolutely. And if they're not moving over time, then the pains or they start noticing pain more and more, uh, yeah. which is not typical or is very typical with that kind of process. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, do you have any other health tips here or insights that 
you know, if you only had one big takeaway, what would you tell people who have been injured or, or, uh, or trying to rehab from some sort of injury or surgery? I think the biggest tip that I can end up giving people is the person that will fix you the best and the fastest is yourself. You can, you can, you can be, I mean, you can cause the greatest amount of damage to yourself and you can be the answer to healing and overcoming, uh, you know, the majority of injuries and pain. You know, it's, it's a matter of you, uh, you know, educating yourself and kind of taking action on things and you can pretty much overcome uh, whatever you want, especially when it comes to like knee pain and hip pain and back pain, a lot of the joint pains, there's a lot that you can end up doing to make things better. And by doing nothing, it ends up making things worse. And then a second thing that I would end recommending recommending for people is really when it comes to pain, don't underestimate uh, the foods that you eat and how much those foods end up affecting your pain, making it worse and making it better. Uh, because that I find that ends up being, you know, people kind of downplay that. And one example is just hydration. Yeah, you know, uh, you'll notice in examples like knee pain, um, if you in, increase your hydration, it'll end up having a positive effect on your knee pain. Hmm. Any anything else there that would um, with the nutrition and pain? Um, you know, I, th- I think. You know, when when we look at the kind of the nutrition and the pain side of things, I mean, the quick fix that I end up focus or encouraging people to do is like increase the hydration side of things. And hydration ends up being like non, you know, sugar caffeinated beverages, not just increasing more soda, but looking at like uh, decaffeinated teas or or water that ends up being the best. And then also like looking at things that people end up having mild to major reactions to. And that can end up being like soy, uh, that can end up being sugar, that can end up being uh, dairy. Uh, You know, those are the kind of the ones that I kind of look at right away and seeing if you can kind of, you know, remove those from your diet or decrease those from your diet and see how, what effect they end up having on your pain level. And a lot of times they'll have they'll have they'll have a drastic um, effect on your pain level. Did did you have any experience with that yourself, or is that just what you've seen in in other people? I mean, I mean, it's something that I've seen in other people, and then also it's something that I've ended up seeing in my in myself. So when it comes to you know, so I'm not you know I'm not 20 anymore. No, I'm in, I've entered in my early 40s. So I'm at that point where I kind of need to be a little bit smarter when it comes to things. And I know days that I've hydrated better, I, I feel better. I'm able to move a lot better. Um, I know on days that I, I end up eating better, like more cleaner, and more cleaner, how I interpret it is, you know, I'm, I'm eating more, you know, f- fruits and vegetables, more on the raw side compared to anything processed. I end up, my joints end up feeling feeling better um, compared to you know let's say I have a, a bad day um, when it comes to eating a lot more of the processed stuff or eating too many sweets that end up having lots of um, refined sugar. So it ends up being with myself 
and then also just working with clients. That's kind of what they end up reporting um, to myself as well. And basically, eating real food is sort of the key. Eating real food and drinking water. Yeah, I mean, I, and I, it's, it, it, I mean, it ends up being a little bit of a battle because everything that we end up seeing when it comes to the marketing side of things ends up being push, you know, pushing us to these processed and refined foods, and you almost have to kind of go against that marketing wave and move towards you know trying to eat a little bit better every day. I'm not super fanatical. I mean, I think all of us can work on improving things a little bit. Um, you know, I, I'm not a I'm not a proponent of uh, the extreme side of things. Uh, Abstinence yeah. and taking it, stopping it forever, kind of a yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. yeah. I think you know what's going to apply to the vast majority of people is something more moderate in, in the middle, and uh, you know trying to trying to move every day to doing a little bit better. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree. It makes makes more sense. Um, you can't stop everything at once and, you know, you know, really focusing on adding in real foods rather than getting rid of other foods. And there's some interesting data on what's called thought suppression, where if you say, I can't eat this, I can't eat this, you end up at some point eating more of it because it gets stuck and lodged in your head rather than just saying, you know what, I'm going to eat more. I'm going to eat vegetables with every meal today. And then not even thinking about what you're not going to eat uh, may actually have some better outcomes for people. So. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's it's pretty fascinating when you look in. It's it's called thought suppression, and there's some really, really interesting studies about it because you can't stop, you can't not not think. And so when you're telling yourself, I am not going to eat this, there's a piece of your subconscious that has to remember that thing that you are not going to eat. Um, And then we have these rebound phenomenons with it where people actually fall off the wagon, eat more, um, it's, and it's not just with food. There's all sorts of other obsessive thoughts and things that they found this this uh, this phenomenon with. But another episode there for sure, for sure. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Well, Rick, um, thank you so much for coming on. I think this was really good because you, we hit a lot of key points here. Let me just briefly summarize them again. Movement is good. If you are hurt and you uh, are exercise and, and you have an injury, you should still move. Um, really a Goldilocks kind of thing is you want to do not too much, not too little, but just the right amount. And the only person you can really tell that is you. Um, and the, what I particularly love was a statement from what you said, that the person who will fix you the fastest is yourself. We talk about this often on Straight Shot Health, and I'm so glad that you brought it up. And I didn't even have to coax it out of you <laughs> because it is so true. You know, there's so much exposure that we have in this world. You know, go see your doctor, go do this, take this pill, take whatever. But really when it comes to a person's health, the person who can fix them the best is themselves. So, Rick, where can people find you, get more information about you, and learn about the programs that you've developed? Yeah, you bet. If, if you head on over to exercisesforinjuries.com, what I end up telling people to do is just enter in their injury or pain in the search box on the site. And there's a good chance that I have like an article, a video, or an interview that will help you when it comes to your injury or injury or pain. And then one thing that I wanted to kind of finish, uh, you know, kind of expand on what you ended up saying was, I mean, the thing is, I don't discourage people and tell them not to go see their doctor. I kind of encourage them to go in order to kind of rule out anything more serious. And a lot of times they will go to the doctor and the doctor will rule out something serious. You just have muscular, you know, back pain 
and you're you know you're clear to kind of do whatever you know whatever exercise that you want and at that point it's up to you to make things better and fix things and kind of get on the path of you know health and to the level of health that you want so i mean it kind of goes back to what we talked about at the start that you know a lot of times that mental side like oh if i move i'm gonna make it worse or there's something else going on well sometimes if you go and see a medical professional they can rule out anything more serious and then that ends up helping your your mental state so that you can focus on getting better absolutely absolutely and there's one thing we're fairly decent on in the medical field is ruling out the badness we just happen to get into trouble when we try to find a source off yeah. and off when we can exclude the bad things but it becomes much more difficult if not impossible particularly with pain uh, yes. to find something and we will often label people and that's a, another episode right there but yeah all right rick well thank you so much um loved having you on the show and maybe we'll have you back sometime you bet thank you very much all right we'll talk to you soon <laughs>